God. Amen. We have the power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what the enemy will try to do, he will never succeed. Amen. Because we are part of God. We can never perish as God can never perish. Amen. Thank God for his grace. Amen. I'm sorry for keeping you long, but I was thinking of our team song of Pastor Harold that he like to sing. If you can just sing few verses and then uh, some glad morning when this life is over will I will fly from this corruptible body into uncorruptible body. Amen. Glorified body. Thank you, Brother Mike and musicians. God bless you richly. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Nice atmosphere. Thank the Lord for that. And I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. Thank you for coming and responding to the call of duty this evening. 
just to express on which side you are and to tell the Lord how much you love him. Amen. There's no better place to be than the place of the appointment with the Lord. Amen. And uh, God bless you richly. Um, Brother Ed is not here. He traveled to Yukon for the funeral over there. Just pray that uh, um, God be with them and everything goes fine. You all also be been made aware of uh, God choosing to take his son, Brother Joel Nanweiler. Just want to express our condolences to the family on this time, uh, difficult time, but um, just pray that may they find the encouragement in the Word of God. Yeah. Only Him can really comfort the place that is empty now, only him can fill and just comfort the family. But uh, as we have sung, he's in a better place, amen? It's just uh, when this shadow of life is over, there's a change in a better body that will never suffer, amen? And God bless the family and comfort them during this time. There's a memorial service that will take place on Saturday, February the, the 25, uh, uh, 2 p.m. at Gruntal Church in Saskatchewan. I think um, for those who want also for live stream, we can also do that. So we just want to keep that in mind and please pray for the family. Um, during the time of sickness, as the time of passing, it also needs prayers. Amen? And uh, just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this evening to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the atmosphere. We thank you for your presence already, Father. Lord, you said in your word, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, you shall be there, Father. And we believe that you're already here. Father, Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, you said in your word through the prophet that you heal by different ways, Father. You heal even through music. I believe, Father, even through the song service, there is already a process of healing, Father, for, for the body. Sometimes we feel tired, but when we go into that atmosphere, we feel already energized, Father. There is already a process that is starting. Lord, there is a healing in the mind. There is a healing in the soul. Father, oh God, may you continue, Father, in that process also through the word of God, by your presence. Lord, you know how much we love you and how much we appreciate you, Lord. We are looking to that day where we will be together, where there won't be separation, when there won't be, Father, any see you again another time. But, Father, where will we be eternally? There will not be any time anymore, Father. Oh God, we're looking for that time where our body will be changed, oh God, will be Lord, change from corruptible to incorruptible, where, Father, Jesus Christ, there won't be any sickness, any weakness, Father, any, any worries, anything, Father, of this, of this world, the earthly things, but just heavenly, Father. Lord, we want to commit the, the family, the nine-wild family, God, you, to please you to, to, to take your son. At this time, Father, we just want to say, Praise be to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You gave, and now you have taken. Let your name be glorified. But there is always a purpose for everything. 
we cannot understand, we cannot comprehend, we cannot save the, our words. But Father, Lord, you know everything. May you comfort the family. May you surround them, Father, with your arms of love. Oh, Jesus Christ, you know the pain. Yourself, you cried even when you were in the body, Father, in the, in the, in the east. You, you, you cried when Lazarus, Father, and although you knew that you would be resurrected, raised again, but you still cried in the human part. So, Father, we understand. We, oh, Father, we can, we, can, we, can, we can relate to the family, Lord, through this time. Father, may you comfort them, Lord Jesus Christ, and encourage them. May they find the word of comfort and the hope of resurrection. Father, that will be the strengthening rock, Lord, in the heart. Father, we commit everything in your hands and the services in you, con, everything that we said and done for your glory, Father. Help us as well for this evening as we surrender ourselves to you. Speak to our heart. Just say one word that will help us now walk with you, Lord. That's what we need. Just one step closer to you, Father. May you do it in the way you, you decide to do, Father. We have nothing, just a human speaking to another human, but the words of God are the words of life. That's what will bring, Lord, encouragement. That's what will bring faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Faith is the sixth sense that sees things beyond what we can see. Father, we love you and appreciate you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Once again, God, excuse me for keeping long. I will just read one small scripture and then I will let you go sit down, not go. <laughs> Romans, Romans, I'm in the book of Romans. Romans 6, verse 11. Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have your seat. May God bless his word. I would like to continue reading the whole passage here if I can. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the last thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instrument of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. When we were still under the law, sin had dominion over us. The lust had dominions over us. The things of the world had dominions over us. But now that we are under grace, those things should not have dominion over us. We should not be living under the grace of God. And the grace means it's him doing the work, not ourselves. So if it's him doing the work, then we, nah, the sin cannot have dominion over us. We should have, we should have dominion over sin, not sin having dominion over us. We, we shall not be slave to sin anymore, but sin has to obey us. Amen? 
and they think we, it has, we, the Holy Spirit should have control over everything, so we should not surrender to those things, but the grace should have dominion over us. Amen. It's the grace that should have dominion over us, because when grace is prevailing, it's the Holy Spirit working. Then the Bible says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves a servant to obey, ye servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or, or, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. I always like this chapter because it says the obedience is from the heart. We have obeyed from the heart. It's not obedience that to satisfy someone or to please someone, but that obedience comes from the conviction, comes from faith, comes from revelation, from the heart. We have obeyed from the heart that form, that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the mind of man because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members a servant to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servant to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had then had he then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, but now. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the hand everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I have a thought that I would like to go this evening and, and uh, maybe uh, thinking to go, maybe in another aspect, but uh, through the study and then Bible study and everything, so uh, my mind has been, a, been a thinking about one comment a few brothers made there and, 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 uh, and just put me a little bit on the, on the pause here just to address that and then, uh, because there's been a blessing to me and, and uh, maybe I'll move on another time, God willing and God permitting. Uh, I would like to read Romans 8, 31. where I will take my title this evening. Say, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. So I'll take my title there. Anything to the charge of God's elect. Is anything we can lay the charge of, the God, of God's elect? God's love, and I was just thinking about this. Could, God, could God's love be selective? 
I know that God is a just judge, and if his love is selective, one thing I'm sure of is his love is not discriminating in sense of that, okay, you cannot, and you know, whatever what it is, and then base just, I can just discriminate you, because discrimination is to make an unjust or traditional distinction and the treatment of someone based on a different category, because the rain falls on the just and then the unjust, amen? But, uh, uh, and to be selective, but to be selective is to choose carefully. So if one can select without, can one select without being unjust? Just think about it, I believe so. Someone can choose without being unjust. You just choose, you, and, uh, and you make your choice. <laughs> You make your choice on certain things and certain preferences, and I believe, I believe you can choose without being unjust. So I would like to, follow, to focus a little bit on the selective part of this night and maybe look at the fairness another day. But God willing, I uh, just want to look on the selective part here a little bit as much as we can. In Luke 4, 25, 26... So I was preparing for the message for the restored word and God's grace. I came, we came across to this scripture, Luke 4, 25, 26. But I tell you of truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine, famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarapta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. The prophet taking the scripture, we'll mention it and be certain of God, he says, how that this little woman must have been of the caliber of Elijah, because usually your action shows what you are. And again, she had been chosen to entertain God's prophet. Remember, she was a Gentile, not a Jew. It says, later on, uh, paragraph 32 says, it was not his choosing. So it was not Elijah choosing to go there. He didn't say, I decide to go and find a woman called a widow and a reptile, and I go there and I decide to choose and stay there. It was God's choosing. God shows that I, I have prepared a woman that will take care of you. So I have decided that you leave the place where I'm feeding you with ravens and all the bread and everything that you are staying, and I'm bringing you at that place that you can, that woman will take care of you. So it was not Elijah's choosing, it was God's choosing. And Elijah, we have received the same spirit of Elijah, and the same prophet, the same spirit of Elijah in this last age. I've said many of the things that he was doing, it was not his choosing, it was God's choosing in his life. Himself didn't want to be a preacher. He didn't want to preach. He hates to be even, to be a preacher. But God chose him because God put something inside of him so that he can respond to the call that God put inside of him. It was not his choosing. It was God's choosing. So the Bible says here, it was not Elijah. The prophet says here, it was not Elijah's choosing. It was God's choosing. And he continues on. He says, it was not her beating him, it was God beating him. So even on our side as well, it was not 
her trying to be the prophet, come to my house and do things. It was God bidding him to go there. So it was not her choosing, it was God's choosing. So it put us in a, in a, in a channel where God has a selection. God is a master of election. God is the master of, of, of selection. Amen. So if God is the one choosing, now think about it. If the one God choosing, can anyone condemn anything that God has chosen? Can any accusation hold in what God has chosen? Nothing can hold on what God has already chosen. Amen. The message believer it might sound like a small thought, but think about it. The devil is the one who's usually the one who comes and condemns us many times. Even though we have heard it many times, but the devil is the, always the one coming, condemning us and putting thought of condemnation. Even the, the thing that you already confessed, you will come and bring that back to your mind. Or you know because you are going to destroy it because you did this and this. So you know God has not yet forgo- forgiven you for that, for that. And then you come and you think about it. Why I'm talking about it is I'm thinking about one told the prophet is saying, many times the believers can come and don't, don't get the belief. They live under their privileges because they're constantly thinking, paraphrasing the prophet, they're constantly thinking on how unworthy they are. How unworthy you are, unworthy you are, unworthy. Yes, we are unworthy, but there is already a sacrifice provided for us. We need to move from the level where, yes, we are unworthy, but God has provided a sacrifice that is more than able to cover our unworthiness. Amen. So the prophet says in the Queen of the South, says, most time when people are religious, they think that God owes them something. I have seen people who have been living in, in church a straight life come to the platform and fail to be healed when a prostitute of the street will come humbly and bow in the presence of God and reckon herself to be a prostitute and ask forgiveness and be healed of sarcomas, cancer, where a Christian walked across with merely a little headache and failed to get it. God doesn't judge you and heal you by your church affiliation. It's according to your faith you are healed. Why? Because that prostitute recognized and received the word of God. She had faith in the word of God. She repented, said, God, forgive me, and accepted in the word of God. Straight away, she was healed. But a believer will go and start thinking and start thinking, yes, I've been religious, but I made a mistake there. I made a mistake there. I think God has not yet forgiven me. And, and then it means he's relying more on his own righteousness than God's righteousness. And the devil, knowing that, and he will try to hinder us or prevent us from having access to God's blessing. But God is encouraging us this evening, it's not your righteousness, it's God's righteousness. Is there anyone who can put any charge to God's elect? It's God who decides. It's God who justifies. It's not a man who justifies. It's not your conscience that justifies you. It's not even your ability that justifies you. It's God who justifies. So God, a certain principle, he has provided. You accept what God has already done. You are walking in a path of righteousness. No matter how you are feeling. God in ask us, how are you feeling? He's asking us, do you believe? Amen. Amen. 
Now, as I go in this path, I just need to, to break a little bit here and put a little bit of break as well. <laughs> You've got to have faith in what you are doing because if your heart condemns us, because I don't want to talk and think that, okay, I can be and do whatever I can do, whatever I can do, and then, you know what, it goes justifies good and, and, and make a little half, halfway prayer and say, okay, everything is fine without really having have that, have, have that burden, that, that regret and, and feel the agony of, of Calvary. We have to go through that and repent sincerely. And then, Brother Barnum, when he, when he lied, when he lied, or, or when he made that mistake of lying, he didn't just say, oh, God, forgive me, I lied, and that's it. He went through a process. He went through a process, and he, he felt the pain, and he, and he repented, and he, he made the restitution. He called, and he said, I'm sorry, and everything. And then, if I recall correctly, he went as well and said, God, and went to the process, God, if, I'm sorry for what I've done, but if, if you have forgiven me, can you just pass by? Can you just... So it was not just something you say, okay, it's okay, I rush it off, and I pass it off, I move on. A Christian should not be that way. A Christian, you make a mistake, you stand up, but you have to go to that process of, of repenting. It's the, it, you, that, that repentance bears fruit, amen? That, that, that's why it's not just, it's not, you understand what I mean? It's not just say, okay, that's it, and then you move on. That's not what I want to say. And that's what the prophet, I think, is saying as well. You've got to have faith in what you are doing. And if your heart condemns us not, if we, know, if we know the Bible teaches us something and we fail to do that, there is something we can't have faith in. You can't get yourself together because you know there are certain things there that God teaches that you will not cope with. But when you do that, then where, where you at? You see, you can't have faith on what you are coming to. You can't come up here and say, oh, last night I, ought, I was out drunk and Lord, I want, to, I want you to heal me this morning. I, I, I won't drink too much more. You've got to surrender yourself. You've got to give yourself completely to God. You've got to obey every bit of the word. Sell out completely and then take the word. You've got to obey every bit of the word. Say, then say that word is in the church. It's a living word. The Bible says the word is a seed that a sower went forth to sow and you can't expect to sow Cockerberg and get wheat. You, you sow wheat, you reap wheat. You sow cockerbergs, you reap cockerbergs. You've got to have the word of God. So a real Christian put, I think a real Christian put his life. Time is running already. The, the real Christian put, put, look, looks to put his life in order with the word of God. It does not keep unconfessed sins. Amen? Do you agree with me? Because faith, faith, perfect faith, perfect faith is based on forgiveness. You can't have a faith without forgiveness. You have, to have, you have to have that forgiveness from God, and that starts by true repentance and also aligning with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And you pay for your mistakes. We pay for our mistakes. It creates scars. It bears some other consequences. Brother Banam will say in the unconditional covenant that God made with his people, the same God was watching Abraham in his mistakes. 
God made Abraham pay for it. Don't you think he got by with it, but God didn't cast Abraham out. He just made Abraham repent for it. In the Hebrews 6, in Hebrews chapter 6, part 2, it says, Well, can't we backslide? Absolutely. When we backslide, you are going to get it. Don't you worry. Abraham got it, and the rest of them got it. And everything that you do, you will reap what you sow. You do one little sin, and you will reap a whole watchtub full. That's right. And brother, don't mean to say that you are lost. That's exactly right. Abraham reaped exactly what he sowed. That's right. But he was still saved. And sometimes you sin, and sin can bring you further than how you think that you will go. You see, you know, that thing, that, that this small thing, and you start something, and it brings you way, way longer than how you wanted or you thought that you would go if you just rely on the flesh. But at the same time, as you make those mistakes, Brother Barnum will just put the balance, let me just read the prophet here. But at the same thing, it is with us. So if you are dead and your life is hid in God, through Christ, there is not nothing in the world that can touch you. Now, you might go and do wrong, but if you are really, truly a child of God and you see you have made, you have made, you have made a mistake, you will rise and try again. Yeah. A Christian, if he realizes that he has made a mistake, will try, will rise and try again. Don't stay, don't stay down there. Don't stay down. Rise and try again. Young people, you make a mistake, you make a decision, you give your heart to the Lord, but you will fall. If the Lord tarries, oh, you will fall in many things. You'll make a lot of mistakes. And we die daily. We make mistakes every day. But we don't stay down there. We don't run away from church. We don't run away from praying. We don't run away from reading the Bible. Even if it condemns us, you come back to it to really say, God, forgive me. I didn't intend to do that. I don't want to stay in that position. I want to stand up. I want to move on, Lord. Help me, Lord. Even in your weakness, God, help me. I don't want it. I hate the thing that, I, that is bothering me. I want to move forward with you. God will help you. That's the life of a Christian. You fall, but you stand up. There are many battles where you will fail, but you are not going to lose the war. The war is already a victory. We know the end result of that war. It's nothing else but victory. This bride will not fail. She will not fall. She will go all the way to the rapture. That's where your focus is on. Amen. It says, Hebrews chapter 6 says, but now you might go and read that. That's right. You not lay there, but if you cowardly and you are cockleberry, and if there is no get up to you, you'll say, oh, well, that was not nothing to eat anyhow. The kingdom of God is like unto a man took a net and went to the sea and cast it in. When he came, he had turtles and frogs and snakes and lizards and spiders and fish. That's the gospel that, I've, that we are preaching or that it's preached. That's what the message is. You know, many are called, many are called, and many are following, but many are coming. It's not us to decide this is a turtle. This is a, <laughs> that's not our job. Everybody is coming and, oh, thank God, and everything. Everybody is in the net and rejoicing in the net of the gospel. But as time is going by, some nature will start manifesting. 
We see some spiders. Oh, this is too hard for me. What am I doing here? I thought it was something different, but why is it, oh, I'm going back. Oh, this message is too hard. Bye-bye. Oh, the fish is not looking at the spider going back. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. That is nature. Just a spider going back. But as a fish, I'm staying. I'm moving on. I'm going for the master. Now, do you understand what what we have said? That it is absolutely impossible for a born-again Christian. I don't mean now he calls himself born, not not him that calls himself born again. I mean a real born-again Christian to ever fall from grace. He cannot do it. Oh, I like that statement. A real born-again Christian cannot fall from grace. He can fall, that's right, but he cannot never get out of that grace. Just think about it. A real born again Christian can never fall out from grace. Let me repeat the real word of the prophet. He cannot never get out of that grace. Abraham fell from grace, sure, but he did. But God told him to stay there and he went out of it, but he never lost his covenant. He was still God's chosen. He was a prophet sitting there. He always was. He'll always be God. You fall from grace. Think about that expression, falling from grace. Sometimes, yes, there's a, there are a lot of manifestation of God's grace in our life. Amen? A lot of manifestation of God's grace in our life. As, as you have been called, there's been God's grace. As you have been as you took the decision to get baptized, it was God's grace. Been sanctified, it was God's grace. Been baptized with the Holy Ghost, it's God's grace. The fact that you born, you are born even, and you heard the message, it's God's grace. But where did really God's grace start in your life? Was it the time you were born? Was it the time you received the message? Was it the time you were justified? Was it the time you were sanctified? Was it the time you, were, you received the Holy Ghost? What, when, when was it really God's grace that you can say, I fell from God's grace? If you are really a son and daughter of God, God's grace for your life started before the foundation of the world. So if it started before the foundation of the world, and if God knew you and you were in the God's mind and the back part of God's mind, you can never fall from God's grace. You might make mistakes, but from God's grace, you are not falling apart. You are still there. You are still there, and you will deal with the consequences of mistakes. But in God's view, he still sees you as he already saw you before the foundation of the world. So you can never fall from God's grace. That's why the prophet could use that statement that a real born-again Christian can never fall from grace. Because for you to be a real born-again Christian, it means you have the seed of God in your soul. Who put that seed of God in your soul? It's not your pastor, it's not your husband, it's your wife, it's not your parent, it's not your friend, it's not no minister. God himself put that seed in your heart. And if he put that seed in your heart, it means he put you in the Lamb's book of life, the part that can never be erased. Never fall from grace. 
Prophet in the message of grace says, you can't buy God's grace. That's why you can't buy God's grace. I like that expression. You can't buy God's grace. You can't buy God's favor. You can't say, oh no, I do this, I do this, or maybe I might get God's favor. No, there is no place for buying God's favor. He gives it to you, and he already given to you, and he cannot take it back anymore. The walk with him, you will hinder the God's, that seed, in, maybe you get that later, but maybe I put that there. You will hinder that seed of God he puts to you to be manifested for many times. Maybe God is way, he's calling you, God's grace is looking for you and stalking you, but you keep avoiding it, keep avoiding it, keep avoiding it, keep avoiding it. You are clouding that seed, so it's taking time. Sometimes he talks to you and you're still hesitating and you're doing things and doing things. It, you don't expose yourself, you don't expose that seed to the light of the word of God. And he, you, you are taking time, you're taking time and God is patient to you. But in God's mind, he knows already the end result. You are just making yourself suffer more and more. But at one time, <laughs> one time, <laughs> no matter how long you run away, it will still pull you to you. God's grace will pull you to you. Because that seed of God inside of you. That's why as a believer, a believer rests. Amen. You rest and you hear the word of God no matter how hard it is. And you cry and everybody inside of you say, God, I still rely on your grace. It's your grace and only your grace. And as you live, more you live with God, you realize that there are many things you cannot do, couldn't do by yourself. Just God's grace in your life. The more I look in the Bible, I'm just realizing more and more that Satan has no chance of succeeding in accusing an elect of God. Although he is doing it every day, there is an element of faith whereby we can only say, like David said, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth no iniquity. If you look in your life and you look in our life and walk with God, we just realize, oh God, that statement, statement, especially as a message believer, now has even more value than when I was ignorant. Because iniquity means you know what you have to do, but you don't do it. And as we were in denominations, we were ignorant on many things. It was, it was not really iniquity. It was sins or whatever, the attribute of sins. But now it's iniquity. But there come the things that say, oh, don't take me in the wrong way now. Yeah. But it just shows, not necessarily allowed to go and do iniquity, but that things you make mistakes or you or didn't want to do, but you just and a moment of pressure, whatever it might be. And then say, oh, God, it's only your grace. Romans 4, 5, 8 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those, blessed are they whose iniquity are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
David took that scripture for Psalms 32, Paul took it on Psalm 32, 1, 2, says, where it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Just want to put a comment there. There is also a part where in whose spirit there is no guile. Some people have guile and do things. But you are talking born again, born again Christians. In that spirit, there is no guile. That was not your intention. That is not what you really, you, you don't want to persist or stay in that state there. But sometimes it happens that we make mistakes and that things can happen. The prophet explains here on the wings of a snow white dove. He says, he has no goal. It's talking about a dove. So therefore, he could not just against him to eat anything bad. If he would, it would kill him. But there is no danger. It isn't going to eat it because it has no appetite for it. That's the way with real Christians. Do you know a real Christian doesn't have even any sin at all imputed to him? Amen. David said, blessed is the man who God will not impute sin to. When you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, not, not by make-believe, but really the blood of the Lamb, God does not impute to you anything that is done because you are under the blood and he doesn't see it. There is a blood sacrifice. The only thing he can see you in is the way he saw you before the foundation of the world when he put your name in the Lamb's book of life. So he cannot even see you. He sees the way he saw you when he put your name in the Lamb's book of life. That's all he can look at because you are redeemed from everything that was ever done. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, there is no God in you. There is no unclean habit in you because that the blood of the Lamb has did it. And God cannot impute sin to you after you've got a sin offering laying there waiting for you. Well, you say, that gives me plenty of room then, Brother Barnum. I can do what I want to. Brother Barnum says, I always do. Always. I always do what I want to do. <laughs> and that's what the Christian has to be. I always do what I want to do. If you are, Brother Barnum, Ed read the tremendous quote the other day, paraphrasing it. Christian, uh, Christian sisters, if you are wearing that long dress, because I told you so to do so, and it's not coming from your heart, you're still a sinner. Because if you have to do that, it has to come from your heart. It has to become a revelation. It has to become personal to you, not doing things because someone tells you. No, a Christian always does what he wants to do. And your desire to do what you're doing, that's what is being manifested. It's not someone pushing upon you. If you still feel like the pressure upon you, you are not there yet. God, let it be an expression of, my, of your love towards me and my expression of my love towards you. Oh God, then I realize that it's not me doing that. It's you doing because you made me, you caused me to love you more. Amen. Expression of love. Amen. But when I'm going to use that expression with his wife many times, and he said, if my wife, I tell her, I, I know that I can make a mistake, I know that I can do the things, and that she will forgive me, but I don't want to do that because I love her so much. Even though I know that she will forgive me, but I won't do that. The same for her. The same our relationship with God. Christian always does what he wants to do. 
But when a man can really see what Jesus has done for him, turn around and do something contrary to him, it shows he never received Christ. A little bit like that woman who told her husband, says, you know, you have just got converted. I'm a solid Christian. You go usually out to your friends and everything. You go. If you sin over there, remember there is always a woman here waiting for you to come back. When he realizes how much she loves, she loves him, then he realizes, no. How can you sin against that, such, such a woman that I love? The same thing for God. Go, if you fall, every time you come, there is someone waiting for you. Prodigal son, prodigal, prodigal, prodigal son. You go, and there is someone waiting for you. But if you really get that revelation how much you love you, you feel the same thing. How can I do something that hurts him? Because he loves me so much. But you remain a son and daughter of God, no matter what. Do you realize that constantly... By the way, when he preached that message, amnesia, spiritual amnesia, my thing that the message that relates more to the people of the, of, of the denominations and everything, yes, there's a certain reality to that. But I believe that it pertains to us more. The message comes to heal us from the spiritual amnesia we were in. We didn't know that. We, we didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know who we were, right? We didn't know who we were, really. We didn't know who we were. And we were like that soldier who was trained so well, but he was in the war because of the war of the, the, war of the, of the life and different things, the trauma of life that we go through. We forget who we are. But in, in reality, we are sons and daughters of God. Once we start realizing who we are and taking our position of who we are, then we start living a Christian life that is worthy of the gospel. Amen. Amen. I think I already paraphrased what the prophet says about the wife. Now, um, sometimes we can get an understanding of some element of a reasonable argument to justify how a person is being forgiven, but at the end, it's only God's election that can really stand. But he wants to admit that the election, because he wants, God wants to admit that only election can stand. If the covenant was not unconditional, the prophet will say, Hebrews 6, says, A man makes his covenant with God, or God with a man, the man breaks his part. God had to do something because he seen what man was and and they were ordained, they were elected, and God had to do something. So God came down and made his covenant with Abraham unconditionally. If it wouldn't have been unconditionally, Abraham would have been lost a long time. Think about it. If the covenant between God and Abraham was not unconditional, Abraham would have been lost a long time ago. Because man can never keep the covenant, so God had to make the covenant unconditional. So if God makes the covenant unconditional, think about it for a moment. If God makes the covenant unconditional, it means, let's put it a little bit on the natural. natural. You have a son, my son, 
and the son of my neighbor. I says, this is my son. Whatever he does is forgiven. And then someone comes. You know, you see, your son just hit someone there. My son, please don't do that. But, you know, he hit someone and everything. What he has done, look what he has done. God looks there and says, he has not done anything. But look, look the proof. Here and there, look there, look there. He has not done anything. What does it mean? I think as a father, it means you just, you look, you close your eyes, say, I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> that was basically God is doing. So the devil will come and says, I'm bringing this charge for your son. Look what he has done here, he has done here, he has, or the daughter has done here. God is just looking and says, no, you know what, devil, I don't see anything. I'm closing my eyes because I don't even want to see. I don't even want to see. I don't see anything. He has not done anything and everything. I just already told him that he's already, he's already saved. It, it, it is unconditional. You can't bargain about it. You can't bring any charge to God's elect. He's already elected and that. Don't try to show me anything. <laughs> if we could only realize God's grace in our life... He doesn't present any chance to the enemy to try to present anything to try to put us down. We are already elected and nothing can change God's mind. It's already settled and God will never move his mind about his bride. It says, look at him sitting down there at Gerard backslid. Telling a lie and give his wife over to another man to save his own skin. What a man. Setting out there and backslid, God told him, said, Don't you live up here, stay up here. The famine ran him out. He wandered down to where it was easier going. You know what happens to a fellow when he takes the easy road. This is what talking about the man who never staggered with unbelief to God's promise. That God testimony about him. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying just to take time, but I just want you a little bit to go inside. So when you go before God, you repent. When anything you say, God, by your God's grace, I'm unworthy, but because of your covenant, your unconditional covenant, that's why I can come in your presence and ask this, Lord, help me in this, help me on this, help me in this. Because it's only by your grace. It's only by your grace. Famine running on, he wandered down to where it was easier going. You know what happens to a fellow. He wandered and where the grass was greener. When he got down there, he told that king that his wife was sister to save his own hide. Now that was a lie. Any man will take his wife and give her over to another man to save his hide. There he was, sitting out there in a little tent, backslider, telling a lie and plumb out of his, cut altogether away from the promise and everything, and he was still God's prophet. And there was Abimelech, he was a good, holiness man, sure, said his prayer every night, Found this grandma of 100 years old, come down there beautiful and young again. He says, that's the girl I've been waiting for. 
Oh, so I'm just going to marry her. And Abraham said, I'm still reading the prophet. Abraham said, you can have her. She's just my sister. She's my sister. That's my, and she said, that's my brother. Herself says, that's my brother. So he takes her over there and he has the woman to wash her all up and put on nice clothes and fix her up like a princess. And he said in his prayer, stretched out on his bed, turned his feet up and said, tomorrow I'll marry that beautiful girl. So he's there relaxing, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. I waited for this woman, of oh, this young girl. Oh, I'm going to get married tomorrow. Oof. Abraham in his bed there is crying, what have I done? <laughs> the man who didn't stagger God's promise. Abraham said, you can have. Put my notes so, so small. So, uh. Oh, Lord, you know how I love you. Wonderful. And God said, you just as good as a dead man. Pardon me. Uh, why? Abraham was sitting over there, lying backslidden, and here was this man, a honest and just and upright man. Why? He said, Lord, you know the integrity of my heart. Did not he tell me that this was his sister? I said, I know the integrity of heart. That's the reason I'm keeping you from sinning against me. That's right. I know the integrity of your heart. But her husband is my prophet. Yeah. Prophet says, hallelujah. If that isn't grace, what is it? Yeah. Backslidden, telling a lie and setting out there, but it's still my prophet. Yeah. You take an offering and go to him and take his wife back or you are a dead man. Yeah. I won't even hear your prayer at all. You say, but... I wish I would have been Abraham, the prophet says. If you are dead in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Amen. The prophet, God didn't want even to hear any argument against Abraham. Anything that he was saying, you read the Bible properly, anything that Abimelech was trying to put on Abraham, God was not even listening to the argument that Abimelech was telling against Abraham. Only about himself, you look at it, I know your integrity of your heart, but taking anything about that man of God, don't say anything about him, he's my prophet. You actually need to go to him because he needs to pray for you. The backslidden one praying for me, yes, you need to go and pray for you. Is there any man who can really bring any charge to God's elect? It's God who justifies. I believe that Abimelech was also blessed because he recognized that God was using Abraham. If you read a few chapters later in Genesis 22nd, it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of this host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that doest. He had to recognize that, no, this one is a special one. Is under a special relationship with God. I cannot touch him. No one can touch He's the one who needs to bless us. The prophet says, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you are God's child. You are Abraham's seed. 
you got an unconditional covenant written in your heart by God Almighty himself who, can take, who cannot take it back. He saw that he wouldn't take it back or do it. The prophet says, amen. God's children unconditionally, you don't deserve your healing tonight. There is not a one of us here deserves to even hear the gospel. There is not one of you deserves the grace of Jesus Christ. None of us. We are all together by God. But God, by grace, has did it anyhow. That's right. There is none of you deserves your healing. Every one of you ought to die. Me too, all of us. We not deserve to live on, on the earth. That's right. We are not deserving to look at God's creation. All, all those things are right but only by God's grace. And you think you are not worthy to be healed tonight? That's a whole lot. reason I'm saying this is because I know what you are thinking, the prophet saying. That's the reason I do it in the night time to find the way the spirit of the church is moving. Someone say, well, I'm just not worthy. I guess maybe I've done this. Get that out of your mind. Sure, you're not. And you'll never be. But Jesus is. Is the one who give it to you. Is the one who paid the price. Yeah. Whosoever will let him come, drink freely from the fountains of the water of life. Life. Give me five minutes. I'll be closing. Find a place to close. Relationship with Adam was conditional. The covenant with Abraham is unconditional. The relationship with Lot is conditional, but the relationship with Abraham is unconditional. We see here for Lot and his family while they are still in the plain, they need to go to the mountains. The Bible says in Genesis 19:14, it came to pass when they brought them forth a brother, he said, Escape for thy wife, look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest I be consumed. And we see the result for that in Genesis 19:26. But his wife looked back from behind and she became a pillar of salt. Because it was a covenant based upon law. It was conditional covenant. But 20, 27 Genesis 19, the Bible says... Abraham get up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. So they were in the plain. They didn't have any revelation. And God gave them, you're still living on the law. You need to go to the mountains. As you're going to the mountains, don't look back. If you look back, you turn into a pillar of salt. But Abraham was already on the mountain with the revelation the bride upon the revelation. And the Bible says, Abraham woke up early in the morning. And what did Abraham do? And it says, Abraham got up early in the morning to a place where he stood before the Lord and looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Why Abraham is not turning to a pillar? <laughs> because he's not under relationship of a covenant. God is already covering that. And he's looking plainly to it as it's being burned and the wife of Lot is looking at it and turning to a pillow because it's not under a covenant, a covenant that is conditional. 
It is a covenant that is unconditional. He looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain and beheld a law. The smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It came to pass when God destroyed the city of the plain that God remembered Abraham. So if, if Lot was saved, it was because of Abraham who was under a different covenant, who was under a different relationship with God. Just brings me out to think that how we have, it is a privilege that we have, but it's also a responsibility that we have. We have the power to intercede for others. We have the power to bring others into that covenant. God, remember them. Remember my children. Remember my husband. Remember my wife. Remember my sibling. Remember whoever God puts in your heart because you're in a different covenant. Doesn't, that covenant doesn't call you to sin and or live and the sin to have dominion upon you, but the covenant will bring that responsibility of praying for others. And God will remember your prayer. And save the others. There's more to say, but I'll stop there if time. I just want to read Romans 8 again. 27 to 30, 34. As we just express those few thoughts. He that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I thank God that God is not interceding based on my will. If it was based on my will, he gave me, and we have to be honest ourselves with our relationship, if God gave me everything that I wanted, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> I thank God that he's giving me what he wants, and I want him to give me what he wants. And even when I'm making a mistake, and you and I were making a mistake, it's not interceding to someone else's will. It's based upon his own will. And his will is already put before the foundation of the world. So everything that there's something wrong is looking to Father. Forgive him because he's part of that will. He's part of that plan. He's part of that purpose. Everything has to align upon that purpose. Purpose before the foundation of the world. Says, now we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's how we, once, brother Mike, God bless you for that song. Now we understand predestination. We see the importance of predestination. We see the value of election and predestination. If we know that everything that goes before the foundation of the world, God already foreplanned everything, we can believe in this. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It's not because of circumstances we have. We don't depend on circumstances, the external circumstances, because we have faith that one who loved us, with the love that is elective, I would even say selective, because he has selected you, he has chosen you, everything works according to his plan. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate it to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. The calling, calling, the, the, the calling, the calling based upon predestination, you know, those are just called. That some of those are called, but among those who are called, that those who are predestinated. 
and he called the priest, anyone, it's a different call, amen. When and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. In God's eyes, already glorified, amen. What shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. God, the prophet will say, the justification, if you are justified for God, is like you have never done it to begin with. Means he's still looking at what he pre-planned before the foundation of the world. You have not done anything as you are walking your walk here. Nothing if you confess your sins and be born again of the Then that last scripture, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Amen. Amen. Musicians can come. I'm amazed that he loved me. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed how you You amazed about his love. I'm amazed. Let's sing it once again. That you love me. Such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love, that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. Such love, such wondrous love, such love. Such as I. 
thankful for God's love in your life. Love lifted me up. Love lifted me. Just sing some few verses. <clears throat> I was sinking deep in 
sin Far from the for his love amen unconditional just love them brother let's just bow our heads gracious Lord so thankful for this time tonight few in number Lord but we're so grateful to be in your presence Lord and just to worship you and sing the praises of God Lord hear your word father and we're so thankful lord for your tender mercy and lord for that grace that you bestowed upon us lord we certainly do not we have no merits to it lord but yet you made us worthy enough lord to be washed in the blood of the lamb lord we're so grateful for your goodness and your mercy to us lord father we just pray that you'll go with each one of us lord as we lead our separate ways father just pray you'll be with us on the roads father bring us home safely 
We thank you for this word tonight, Lord. Bless our brother Moses as he's labored here tonight, Father. Just pray you'll give him strength. Each one, Lord, watch over us. The remainder of the week, Lord, we come to the services on Sunday, Lord. Prepare our hearts, Father. We look to you. We just commit the Nunweiler family once again, Father, into your care, Lord. Just watch over them, Lord. Comfort them, Lord God, and just be with them, Father, we pray. Just want to say we love you, Lord, and we commit it all into your care for your goodness and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Ray. Bless you. Let's sing the last verse and then we dismiss the brother. Souls in danger, look, look above. above. Jesus, how please save.